Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm addressing this right off the bat. Hollywood, I have just four words for you. Use Charles Dance better. I mean, I'm Alex. <laughs> I, just, I second that. Uh, I'm Britain, and my stomach finally stopped hurting after the Oscars, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yep, <laughs> it's it was it was just a really a gastro turmoil for me there Sunday night for a while, <laughs> but I'm I'm doing okay now. I've made peace <laughs> with it. Uh. uh, if you're listening to this from the year 2025, uh, go ahead and um, enter your uh your your brain Google and. <laughs> um think up uh oscar controversy 2021 yes well i i I am of course referring to the oscars in 2023 when i'm assuming colin farrell removed his mask and was revealed to be a five-headed dragon (laughs) um (laughs) i don't know why that sounds like i'm targeting colin farrell i like colin farrell i don't know (laughs) also implying Uh, that colin farrell is uh, is he isn't he no, in I was, something? I was going to say, Colin Farrell removes the mask, but it ends up being Johnny Depp. And so <laughs> oh. then they have to remove it again, and it's whoever's replacing him in Fantastic Beasts, if anyone. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I was going to say, because he's, he's playing the Penguin, right? And uh, the Batman? Oh, yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, so that's that's why he that's that's why he's there. He's He's nominated for Best Actor, actually. Sure, that, sure. He he has a real meaty role. Uh, it's not just <laughs> well because listen, the Batman was a marginal hit, but it really served as a backdoor opener <laughs> for the the Penguin verse. So now it's just been the 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 Oswald Cinematic Universe, uh, where it's just been Colin Farrell. I didn't know oh, he was so playing you... the Penguin. That's an interesting choice. It is. He looks fast. I mean, I like again. It should be fine, but. They've well, shown the makeup. It's very interesting. We are talking I mean, about Godzilla, King of the Monsters, as you can tell. <laughs> no, I want to talk about the penguin, darn it. <laughs> if you go look at, at the screenshots of him, it looks like comic book penguin. Like, mm-hmm. it does not look like Colin Farrell. It's it's pretty neat. Much like Godzilla looks like mm, 50s movie Godzilla uh, <laughs> in this film, sort of. Uh, and the other monsters maybe do. I, had, I, I, didn't, I know nothing about them outside of <laughs> this movie. <laughs> Um, Roland Emmerich did not give us the proper education when we entered this, this course. <laughs> yeah, um, but Toho did because I recognized, well, the ones that already existed. Um, <laughs> not all the new kids they bring in at the end. All right, so Godzilla, King of the Monsters, uh, directed by Michael Doherty from 2019. Does not feel like it was so close to to now this this movie feels like it's like five years ago it's like i think this came out around the same time as dark phoenix anyway uh 42 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and an 83 percent audience score uh i can start with the stuff if you want sure so i'm gonna yeah this is one of those ones where like probably have multiple of each but i'm gonna say for my best thing i'm going to say largely the human cast i think that 
this movie falls squarely between Skull Island and 2014 Godzilla. Um, it's interesting because, you know, watching a, a kaiju movie like this, to say it has weak characters, that's like complaining that Les Miserables doesn't have spoken dialogue. It's like, well, I understand if you want that, but why did you go see Les Miserables? <laughs> like, you know what you're getting into. But that said, I think the characters in Godzilla 2014, because the movie leaned so much on them and spent so much time away from the monsters to deal with the human characters, they weren't as compelling as as we might have needed them to be. And then in Skull Island, we had this great balance where everyone was really dynamic and fun mm-hmm. to watch. And and this one was, I, well, yeah, like I said, I think it was in the middle. And I think that the performances were more fun. I think that by and large, everyone had some, some you know, some material to, to work with. Particularly, I'm highlighting Kyle Chandler and Ken Watanabe and Charles Dance. Kyle Chandler and Ken Watanabe are both committing so much to this, but in a way that helps the movie. I don't think it. Sometimes you watch movies like this and you're like, "Dude, why are you trying so hard? Like, you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to save it." But in this case, I think they really did. Like, there's so many moments that like Kyle Chandler sells you on the drama or mm. on the the tension. And he's such a good actor that I, I was just really, I really enjoyed him in this. Charles Dance is always a ton of fun, even though he never gets enough to do. Um, I thought Millie Bobby Brown did a pretty nice job in this. Bradley Whitford's always great. Um, I liked Aisha Hines. Uh, Anthony Ramos from Hamilton. Nice to see him. You know, ton, ton of just actors all over the place I recognized and, and liked. So I didn't like that David Strathairn didn't do enough, but, you know. I was yeah, shocked was that he was here. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. It was a welcome surprise when he showed up. <laughs> yeah. So by and large, I, I, I enjoyed the humans a little more in this. And I think because they didn't lean on them as much as they did in 2014, Godzilla, it kind of balanced that nicely for me. My worst thing is um, what I would in a more emotional state call character assassination, um, <laughs> which is really just me no. saying they did my boy wrong. They did my boy dirty. So I... <laughs> Growing up, I was a big Godzilla fan. I loved Rodan. Rodan is a giant fire pterodactyl. He's awesome. I love Rodan. And when I saw the trailers for this and I saw Rodan, I remember saying, he's going to eat so many planes. <laughs> and he does kind of eat a plane. He, like, kind of bites it with his, you know, like, mm-hmm. nips at it. And I started, like, clapping like a child. I was like, he ate a plane. And then one guy hits the eject button and goes right into his mouth. And mm-hmm. that was awesome. Mm-hmm. So I was really happy to see Rodan. And he looked awesome. I did not like that he was just like a yes man flunky. Where he was like, <laughs> oh, sure, Ghidorah, whatever you say. Okay, boss, let's go. And then Ghidorah dies. And he's like, oh, Godzilla, I was in your corner the whole time, man. You're actually the king. I love you, man. And I was like, that's that that's not Rodan. That's not my Rodan. <laughs> but I also understand you're setting up, you got Rodan, you got Mothra, you got Ghidorah, and you of course got Godzilla. You got the four, these are like the big four from the old movies. Um really there were five because there was Anguirus, but that's a whole Anguirus never got the love he deserved. Um Anguirus is kind of like how people don't realize that Hank Pym was in the original Avengers. Sure. Um, that's kind of Anguirus within in the monster verse. <laughs> or like he that was this... one that one beetle who uh, who is with the Beatles and then he wasn't. Exactly, Pete Best. Exactly. Yeah. Anguirus is the Pete Best of <laughs> Or Anguirus was this awesome from the Three Stooges. <laughs> well <laughs> Ang- No no, no. Alex, this... Alex, we're talking about four and a fifth one. <laughs> 
I yeah. understand that, but it's just completely different. It's just not. <laughs> um, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, Anguirus is this like he's a mix of like an ankylosaurus and uh, a ceratosaurus and a hedgehog, okay. and he was like this really cool monster that I liked a lot. And um, I I understand. So you've got Ghidorah and Godzilla. Well, Mothra is inevitably going to be a good guy. Fine with that. So then you, Rodan, oh, they're both winged, they would fight. I, I really do understand how it all broke down, but it kind of bothered me watching the movie. <laughs> um, and I don't like that Mothra died, but I really liked Mothra in the movie otherwise. Um, and yeah, I just wish that Rodan had had, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe he'll have like hero moments later. I don't know. There you go. But uh, but I was I was so happy to see him through most of the movie and I just didn't like what <laughs> they did with him otherwise. Well, you see, the, you know, the, this isn't, there are multiple angles i can take this this movie metaphor and i'm I'm just gonna lay it out i was i was either gonna go with the uh the the last jedi luke or mm. you could go with man of steel superman it's like there's an arc <laughs> for rodan you know to really come into his own Th- this is not sure. the rodan as we know him he'll he'll get there though or yeah. this rodan is bitter you know he's he's come a long way uh he's old um, but in the end, he is going to force project to kill uh, Kong uh, in the next movie. <laughs> well, I do remember that uh, in the, there's a deleted alternate version of the scene where Mothra stabs him with her stinger, which is great. Mm-hmm. But right before, right as she does that, he like gasps and looks at her and she says, you smell good. And then he falls away. <laughs> <laughs> And it was it was a real woe moment for this viewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, who wants to go next? I get it. That, uh, Britton. I I did want to ask because I just kind of roundtable. Uh, did you like it more than the Gareth Edwards Godzilla? I would say that it kind of falls. Hmm. I don't know. Probably less because I feel like the previous one, if anything, just visually, I think the direct Tyler, you mentioned in our group chat that this movie really misses Edwards. Mm-hmm. And and I think that would ultimately put the first, the first one feels more of as like a, I, I, this is going to be hyper hyperbolic, but it feels like more of a vision. And yeah. this felt like big movie, monster movie fighting. This movie yeah. had a lot more monsters better. I like the human characters better. There were more cool fights, but I don't know that any of those moments reached the same kind of height as Godzilla you know, prying the Mudo's jaws open. Um, right. So they kind of, they fall really close to each other, but I, I might ultimately come out on in favor of the Edwards one. If anything, I just kind of liked how he was sort of guiding that that journey if I wasn't as invested in the journey. And I know that all sounds kind of wishy-washy, but... I fall. Yeah. Um, I can go next. Uh, I completely agree with all of your points, Britain. Um, Especially that I, I Especially Rodan. <laughs> Ooh, this ain't your uh, this ain't your granddaddy's Rodan. I tell you what, um, I did ultimately like this a good bit more than uh, the first Godzilla. Uh, yeah, it's probably for me right in the middle. Um, I think Kong Skull Island is probably my favorite overall, but I did like this quite a bit. And this is story wise a lot more of what I wanted from the first one. Sure. Um, Particularly because I was just like, oh, like Brian Cranston could have had the Kyle Chandler role, like yeah, sure. like the proxy, like it, it seems to fit. And I think this one is able to get away with 
having all of the human characters like stay together and like they're mostly a group traveling around as opposed to one solitary character who's kind of just keeps running into these huge events that happen. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I thought the, the way the film was constructed um, just allowed for like it didn't have the the kind of lame conveniences that the the Gareth Edwards one yeah. did. And the fact that this one's not taking it as seriously also yeah. helps quite a bit. This one's having a, a bit more fun and it's not like we are a real movie. <laughs> Um, yeah. it's just, it, it is a big goofy, it, it's not stupid. I, 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 I yeah. don't, shouldn't say that. I think there's, there's a logic to everything. The plot overall makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I, I really just like how they were able to beef up the characters. Cause I was not expecting that. Um, and that's, that's ultimately going to be my, my best thing. Um, Britain, I'll agree with you. Like the cast is all spectacular. Um, but even more so than that, the characters, I like how, you know, Kyle Chandler's character is like completely different from uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson in the first sure. one. I like how we have a, a guy who's, you know, he's not stuck in a boardroom. He's not stuck in a lab the whole time. He is proactive. He will go out in, into these, these huge destructive set pieces and do things. Um, but he's also like smart enough and they've, they've written it. So Kyle Chandler, you know, he he's able to actually have arguments with the different characters about, you know, what's going on and what they need to do about the problem. Um, I don't know that that all just kind of worked for me. And I, I'm glad that he wasn't just action man. I'm glad he wasn't playing the, uh, the role that he's trying to do in, in the 2005 King Kong of just, <laughs> you know, kind of square jawed action guy. Yeah. Um, and every scene he has with Kim Watanabe was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This like, really good. Yeah. Like, this really like, it almost makes me, look at the 2014 godzilla like in a worse light because because right there i'm like buddy cop movie with brian cranston and kim watanabe figuring out how to handle monsters give yeah. me that movie um and i kind of got it here so happy about that uh overall yeah i i think i'll i'll further agree with you Britton. uh the the, the kind of just general blandness of the direction is probably my worst thing um, if Gareth Edwards had written this exact script with this exact group of actors, I think this could have been like my perfect monster movie. <laughs> sure. Um, but just, I, I kept thinking of different movies that it reminded me of in terms of the direction. Like I was thinking of like the GI Joe movies, <laughs> mm. just like, just kind of boilerplate studio, big budget fodder without yeah. really a whole lot of heart and passion in it. Which doesn't seem like Michael Doherty's mo. Um, right. It's it, it you know it seems like just based off the story and everything, it seems like he actually because I think he did co-write it. Um, he actually seems to get the material and he wants to yeah. do right by by the characters. Uh, character assassination aside, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it seems like he actually understands what makes these these monster movies tick. And it's just I don't know if it's. Maybe this is his his first time directing a movie this big, so maybe he's just kind of not going through the motions, but maybe he's just following uh, the directions of other yeah. people that are more experienced. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, the the overall blandness of how everything's presented was, was just kind of a little baffling to me because stylistically we're trying to... It feels like this movie is trying to merge the styles of gareth edwards the 
2014 Godzilla and Kong Skull Island, where, you know, with Garrett, I keep saying Gareth Edwards, with uh, Godzilla 2014, it's like this very, you know, quote unquote realistic, it's trying to be grounded and gritty, and then Kong Skull Island's just like a big fun cartoon that's got a lot of style, and this kind of feels like a weird in-between point, where it's kind of realistic at some points, uh, but then... I don't know the the kind of goofy helicarrier, not a helicarrier airplane that they're just flying mm-hmm. around in. Like the set for that looked very like over the top and kind of really sci-fi. Um, I don't know, it just a lot of weird stylistic choices that didn't feel like they were coming from any particular vision, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I haven't. The only of Michael Doty's other movies I've seen, I believe, is Krampus, um, which I remember thinking was fine, you know. I, right? But I, I could definitely see him being like, okay, I'm not used to working with stuff this, with these level of effects and this level of a budget, so let me just do it as straightforward as I can just to make sure I don't do it. Like, let me not get carried away, you know, yeah. and try to also do this big stylistic piece. Whereas Jordan Roberts was like, I'm just essentially making a video game. <laughs> like, let's just do that. And and it really worked for what the movie was, but yeah, I definitely definitely see what you mean. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think my for me my best thing, which is tinged by the fact that the movie does not have the same like gripping epicness of Godzilla twenty fourteen, um, and I really think a lot of that comes down not only to the visual flair but to the the weight of the monsters uh i noticed that a lot where there's a lot of just there's lots of explosions and fog and you can't really tell exactly what's going on like where where godzilla 2014 is very much focused on showing you just how giant and impactful these these things are as they're tearing through cities this is a lot more um it's almost a days of future past to apocalypse uh comparison Hmm. uh because um days of future past is a little more grounded you know like the the movie has a real style i think and and the movie movie, to me looks good um and there's not a lot of like wanton violence uh and then you go to apocalypse and magneto i think is like destroying australia (laughs) like all (laughs) or like sydney or like he's just like blowing things up and like metals flung everywhere and and millions of people are clearly dying it's just like whatever this movie is kind of the same way where um there's lots of just destruction and like oh yeah all the most major cities in the world are being attacked by a kaiju uh yeah that's fine (laughs) um there's just it's very uh toothless in a lot of ways i think in the in the way that it's portrayed however i really appreciate that we do get a lot of big grand monster battles yeah um and there's usually good moments within them even if i i wish i I, i'm watching them and i'm thinking a director who's a little more experienced with cgi like like a gareth edwards or someone who has more of that eye for how to implement that um could really make some of this thing i do still think it's really exciting and cool that we get all of these uh these one-on-one battles between the monsters and we get some of the the bigger like the final battle where You've got uh, all four of our main players uh, coming together to, to do some fighting. Um, the I think that is really cool, and that is 
it's almost too much too fast. It's almost like you could have yeah. you could have saved some of this, but they really just go for it and, and throw them all at the screen. Um, and so I think that's pretty neat. I like I like that a lot that we really jumped to the last one was I mean, one of my complaints about the last one was that there's some more obscure uh, shots and things, and it, it really is not trying to give you the full view of, of what these monsters are doing. And obviously we're using yeah. Mutos. We're not using the classic Godzilla monsters. Um, and even as someone who doesn't have a lot of familiarity with the classic Godzilla monsters, I'm still like, I, I want to see him. That sounds cool. Yeah. Introduce them to me. Um, and I think in that regard, this movie does a good job uh, showing us all the monsters, showing them fight, getting to see the, the full scale of them. I thought that was really cool. I like that a lot. Um, my worst thing is actually going to be the attempts to inject humor in this sure. movie. Uh, and it's not much, but the reason it bothered me so much is because I think the movie's tone is perfect for a long or several long stretches. Like most of the movie, the tone is this great, like everyone in the, in the reality is taking this seriously while talking about very ridiculous things. And that's perfect. Yeah. That's like, it, it is a Saturday morning cartoon is how I, I was explaining it to you guys or explaining my thoughts to you guys um, in our group chat. Like it's so, uh, crazy and out outlandish and everyone's just rolling along with it and kyle chandler's here and and he's doing the like i know animals and animals do yeah. this uh and it's a thing that just doesn't feel like it should make any sense but his logic like totally works for the, helping them figure out where these animals are going and things um it's all crazy and over the top and i love it and i think it it, it nails that exactly but uh thomas middleditch's character yeah uh <laughs> and also I meant to look up the actor beforehand. I think his name is Rick in the movie. And I know him from other things, I'm pretty sure. Is it Bradley Woodford? Maybe. White, ha white, white hair? Yes. Glasses? Yeah. Yes. Him yeah, from a Get couple Out and West Wing. And Captain yeah, Lewis. West Wing. That's, that's what he yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Him a couple of times uh, sure. bothered me as well. But every everything Thomas Middleditch said, uh, there's, a, there's a line where he thinks he's misheard Ghidorah as gonorrhea. Yeah. That's like, oh, what? Oh, yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> like what? I think Which, I audibly groaned. I was like, yeah. why is that? Well, and, who and was like, laughing at that? Zhang Ziyi, who, side note, great to see her again. Haven't seen her in a while. Love her. She, her going, Ghidorah. That was funnier <laughs> yeah. than him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Woodford had a joke about recording everything that was a little like, what? Yeah. I mean, there's that. And it's not just that. It's Well, there there is the other thing where... I, I need to figure out what Thomas Middleton's character's name is because I don't want to say his full it name. It was Sam. Was it, it Sam? Was Sam. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think. Where it, he is giving a presentation to some like senators or something, and right, then he right. puts on a clip where there's uh, blurred out Titan sex. Yeah, <laughs> the like, movie what? Does, yeah. Excuse me? <laughs> I, there, I think there were a couple of other ones too where every time he spoke, uh, it just was completely jarring and it, it was trying so hard to lighten the tension and, and do the very typical dumb blockbuster humor. Uh, right. When the movie was already, it didn't need anything. It was just yeah. rolling. It was, it was smooth. It, it, it all felt cohesive. Um, there is some gravitas and some drama, but it was, it was very much counterbalanced by the fact that the movie's very silly, just on a premise on the premise. Um, yeah. You didn't have to, <laughs> There was no need to try to course correct at all. You were doing great. Um, and then yeah. also uh, the the character, Brad, Bradley Whitford's character, he has a line where he's like, 
oh, we're getting some classic Sarazaza, Sarawaza, sorry, Sarawaza, let them fight, let them fighting. I always loved when he used to say that. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't acknowledge the meme you created. You don't. You don't like trying to. You know, really mine that well. Just, just let it be. We, we all know that is a thing, right? Um, right. and he had one or two other lines like that where I was just like, no, you're, you're really not landing, uh, yeah. landing the right tone, uh, with with these. Um, so there are a couple of those that genuinely I found very jarring, um, sure. because I was I was pretty engrossed. Uh, there there are things in the movie that were silly. Um, and that I, I thought were kind of uh, cutting quarters and and dumb at times, but that I, I thought that all worked together on a, on a whole. And those are the parts that really stuck stuck out to me. I, I totally agree. And I I think Bradley Whitford sold it. And I think Middle Ditch sold it as well, just in terms of like, I blame the words. I don't really yeah. blame you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and the movie was it, it. It's hard. It's I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but it was light enough without comedy. Mm-hmm. Like there was, like you said, it was already like a silly premise. And th- there's a certain joy to hearing Kyle Chandler say Godzilla so many mm-hmm. times with zero irony Yeah, <laughs> that, that works that like, that's what we, this movie needed. was that sincerity. Um, and there were points where I was like, I don't need a joke. I just want to watch Ken Watanabe take off and put his glasses back on 14 <laughs> times every scene. Cause he does it so well every time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I uh, we were talking about having the classic uh, monsters. Godzilla, the the Toho roster. I mean, no, the Godzilla just became a series of versus movies where every one he would fight a new. This time it's a big plant monster. This time it's a big crab. It's a big beetle. You know, it's just different things every time. So you have this really great roster of of monsters, and I don't. I, I'm guessing it was a rights issue because here we see a bunch of new kaiju. None of them are the are from the original mm. uh, uh, crew, and I don't know if like, it might have been a rights thing. It might have been them going. I don't know if we can make these work really, um, but you have like a big turtle looking thing that I'm like that's kind of Angaris, but it's not. There is a big spider looking thing which is kind of like this big spider kaiju called Kumanga, um, but it's not. There was a third Mudo. <laughs> um, mm. There was a big like mammoth looking thing. Um, which I'm like, okay, I, this is all right. <laughs> like I, my feelings about these rest entirely upon whether we'll see them again. And I don't know if we see more yeah. Kaiju in Godzilla versus Kong, or if it's just those two or not. I, I don't know. I also don't know. I, I think I ultimately do want them in there, but I don't know because this movie, I, I really like that this movie goes to the lengths to say it's the hollow earth theory. It's real. There are all these Kaiju are living in the hollow earth and now they're surfacing in their various ways. That's what it is. There's a ton of these guys all over the place. Skull Island's got a bunch and now everyone's got one. And I loved at the end when they're showing all over the Godzilla themed credit song, Mm -hmm. which was actually really, really good. Yeah. I was, I was like, this is some Will Smith realness that I needed. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Unlike James West, Tame of the West. I am trying to hear this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I oh, that was said that, only for me. Literally nobody was, else listened. Was. <laughs> and Will he listens. <laughs> <laughs> there was a a it was a series of like newspaper headlines about how the kaiju were affecting the the planet. Like oh Godzilla like brought back the fish populations and like this yeah. thing called Scylla. Like there's a whole new rainforest popping up and 
all of that. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, but it, they also, I don't know. It, it's this weird thing if they don't really define any of those kaiju, but because they're, they're devoted to defining the four that we have. Um, so I don't know. It was kind of mixed, kind of mixed bag for me. I did get really excited the first time I saw this when we got Larval Mothra, because there are entire Godzilla movies where Mothra never becomes Mothra, where mm-hmm. she's just a, the larva and doing their doing their string shot ability. And they kept the string shot. Are you kidding me? I was so happy. <laughs> Spitting webs on everybody. Um, uh, but I like the new Mothra design. What, what did you guys, as, as uh, newcomers to these characters, how did you like Ghidorah, Mothra, and Rodan? Um, I thought they were all visually really neat and very distinct, yeah. which is it's been my problem for the last couple. Um, well, I mean, even the Roland Emmerich Godzilla, like, he just looks like a bigger T-Rex. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all of them have kind of struggled with that. And this one's just like, no, 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 we're just going to use some of the yeah. ones that were already created and people already love. Um and there's a reason for that. And the designs are really, really neat. Um, yeah, I got I got a kick out of out of seeing all of them. That that was really really fun because it's not the fact that they have like superpowers. It's not just we're big and we punch things. Yeah. Um, because like you know Godzilla has his atomic breath, obviously, but he's mostly just punching things. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it was cool to see a little, you know, variety in that regard. Yeah, I really love um, when they're revealing Ghidorah when he first comes out of the ground or whatever, out of the compound, and you see the head and you see the tail, and then there's a second head mm-hmm. and a second tail and a <laughs> third head and wings. <laughs> like they just keep adding things, and I was like, "This is. Are you seeing this?" Uh, and I really liked how this Ghidorah they. Because in the old movies, and understandably, they were just guys in suits, so they were restricted mobility. That Ghidorah just kind of waddled around with these two big fan wings on the side. And I like that this one used its wings to move. Yeah. It would kind of fold them up like a bat a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I like that. And I just really loved the way Ghidorah looked. Ghidorah is like the shredder to Godzilla's Ninja Turtles. Um, and so seeing Godzilla and Ghidorah rush at each other is like, is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Ghidorah in particular, they do. You can tell they really put in the effort to make him come across and, and be like, "This is a, his cool own thing." Yeah, um, Ghidorah is part of it. Uh, <laughs> he, they do a ton of effective stuff with his heads mm. rising up. They, there's, I think it's a shot when they're trying to get to him because Rodan's on their tail when they're in the ship and yeah. so they're flying into the storm that Ghidorah is creating. And there's this big shot of his silhouette and it's in the clouds and there's lightning and you see his three heads and his big wings. It's, it's really cool. It, it looks mm-hmm. great. Um, and I think they use him really effectively throughout. Uh, I think my only thing is I kind of, I remember from seeing the trailers for this movie and specifically they have the shot of Mothra being Mothra and, and the mm-hmm. wings and everything. Um, it's the big wide shot where, when when she spreads her wings and like it's it's, it's a cool shot as well uh where you get this this huge thing of the the humans looking up and they're like whoa um i really thought she was going to be bigger compared to godzilla 
Right. Um, like, and I like don't her her body would be bigger. Yeah. yeah and I don't thing. I don't know if that is uh, the same scale that was used by the Toho movies or mm-hmm. what was she also smaller then? I, I, I mean. Probably, but I, I would probably guess that she it wasn't the same degree because it was physical again. Right. So they were like, well, if we make the wings too big and the body too small, no one's going to be able to see what mm-hmm. Mothra looks like, really. So I imagine it was slightly more proportional. Yeah. Um, but she was smaller than Godzilla. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe that's maybe that is just being faithful to it. Then that that, that was just completely my like coming into this and seeing oh there's a cool cool one with the big wings uh and then realizing that she was supposed to be smaller um and then also that rodan was smaller i think it would have been fun if they were all bigger size but again if that's faithful to the the originals then i'm not too upset but yeah yeah and i i remember watching this they do a nice job of depicting like Ghidorah is so big and he's so strong he has so many advantages like they're not like how are they gonna win um and because they've got cgi they can play with like Ghidorah's heads like snaking around people and choking them and and they can do more with just the design they already have which is great yeah um but especially when rodan and mothra start fighting i was like mothra's not gonna win like mothra (laughs) seems like a flimsy bug like this isn't gonna happen and 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 i love when she like fires the string shot at Ghidorah's yeah. head as it like smacks him against the wall of uh, the building. Um, but she eventually just has to like impale Rodan and then she dies and gives Godzilla her energy. Like yeah. Goku. I was wondering if that was a thing from Godzilla. I don't lore. <laughs> recall that ever happening. I what I wanted Mothra to live because, and I've, you know, Mothra, I'm kind of milk toast on, but I was like to bring in Mothra is a big deal. And then she just is gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't really know what she does either. What, are, what yeah. the Mothra dust? I don't. I don't really know what impact that has on Godzilla because he was already. They established that he was gonna go thermonuclear and blow yeah. up, and then after she turns into dust and like lands on him, he just does the thermonuclear thing. So I don't know yeah. if that was supposed to be like. Oh, he. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if she like sustained him long enough to go yeah, thermonuclear. I did really love all the shots when he was burning and just mm-hmm. walking through. You were just seeing things just melt when he was still like a mile away from Pretty him. Cool. He was so hot. Everything was just crumbling. I thought that looked great. But like when Rodan is flying over the, uh, the city in Mexico and just everything's just, just being destroyed. I was like, I don't know how anybody is. I don't know. How any humans live through this movie. This is right. crazy. That being said, I did appreciate how with some of the bigger set pieces that took place in cities, they actually dealt with, let's try and evacuate some of these yes, people. Definitely. Um, definitely. And we actually have our, our main cast of characters going and trying and helping to, yeah. to evacuate the cities before everything goes haywire. I, I really appreciated that. And you know, it doesn't even have to be a superhero movie where they do right. that. It's just like any movie where you have a group of people that are trying to solve a problem. Yeah. If people are in the way, you try and get them out of the way, you know? And it helps with such a big cast of characters who are all in different specialties. So you're like, okay, well, Kyle Chandler and Ken Watanabe, they're attacking the problem from this angle. But we have the military guys like O'Shea Jackson and all those. They can go down and evacuate people. Yeah. 
and try to get them out. And I, I thought all of that was, uh, was, was really good as well. So I, did y'all, I don't really know why Charles dances care, what, what he's doing. I guess he's like what his I, motivation is. <laughs> I was going to ask if I missed something. Do they even explain what his organization is? Because not, when not it I started, I was like, am I getting the Charles Dance Blofeld Spectre thing that I have been asking for? <laughs> and I kind of did get they, it. And he also has very minimal screen time like all the Blofelds do. The so. yeah. <laughs> they explain that he's a it's a it's a long winded line, but he, it's something about like he's an eco terrorist, etc. Et OK, yeah. Um, and he is funding Kyle Chandler's ex-wife. Uh, yeah. who or separated, I guess. Whose name in the movie I cannot remember, nor can I remember the actress's name. Vera Farmiga's the Vera actress. Farmiga. Yes, there we go. Emma, Emma. It, there we go. All right, putting the knowledge together. <laughs> um, and I will she, say not not very memorable names because Kyle Chandler is Mark and sure. Vera Farmiga is Emma. I'm like, well, Millie Bobby Brown's Madison. That's more syllables, so I guess it's more memorable. <laughs> um, also, Kyle Chandler says it a lot, screaming into the void right. in, a, in destroyed Fenway Park. Um, yep. <laughs> oh, that was also a bad line. Uh, when uh, <laughs> They're talking about like what's going to happen to Boston, and Bradley <laughs> Whitford's like, it's going to be a bad day to be a Red Sox fan. <laughs> I'm like, what is that even? Pretty no, good. just get out of here oh man when again they play, when this movie screened in new york theater went crazy <laughs> much much like uh much like in godzilla 98 where there's a real missed opportunity for um the new yorkers to rise up because they're mad about godzilla destroying madison square garden um <laughs> and now also, they're upset because godzilla Brit might destroy madison in the garden <laughs> also britain please it's it's the red Sox. Uh, so we're talking about uh, Boston. Uh, no, yeah, but don't New York and Boston hate each other? Oh, you're so, okay. Okay, yeah. You've you've saved it. I'm back. I'm back <laughs> on board. I know all my New England rivalries: <laughs> Maine and Vermont, Connecticut. <laughs> we're more pleasant. We're more pleasant. Um, Sheboygan, but, Wisconsin. But again, oh, <laughs> again. <laughs> They miss the opportunity for like some some random guy to be like I I'm not even gonna attempt to do a Boston accent but some yeah. ra some random guy uh you know chucking chucking beer cans at uh, <laughs> at Ghidorah for me and like hey can't destroy Fenway well you think you're better than me you think you're better <laughs> than me you mess with one of us you mess with all of us <laughs> and, and then the Affleck clan rises up or the Wahlbergs I guess and Kevin Smith's there yeah. yeah. And Chris Evans, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I I I did really love. There's an exchange where like Millie Bobby Brown, Vera Farmiga, and Charles Dance are like on an elevator, and Charles Dance looks at Millie Bobby Brown, and he does the thing where he's stone faced and he waves his hand over his face and smiles, but he looks super creepy. And then Millie Bobby Brown just rubs her eye with her middle finger. <laughs> I was like, this is so weird, and I love it. Um. How did you guys feel about the human drama in general? Because, like, the family stuff, I... Because I had heard about, you know, the the family stuff in the movie not working and feeling kind of schmaltzy and just kind of, like, it has to be there. That's, that's You need that human element. And then I, I knew that Vera Farmiga was actually a turncoat. But the way it had been, like, talked about, 
I don't know. It worked completely in the context of the movie for me. Like, yeah. I, I'm glad that they didn't just go with the route that, oh, she's crazy, yeah. which for some reason was kind of my impression of, of mm-hmm. how it was going to go. Um, but she has her reasons. I'm of, <laughs> I'm of two thoughts, because on the one hand, I think it's really effective that the setup for the movie is that our main characters are um, two parents and their daughter, and they've lost their son because of uh the events of Godzilla 2014 that um, opening shot is really really cool you see mm-hmm. in the background you see Aaron Taylor Johnson and the sh- soldiers skydiving with the red mist and and all that and uh and and then it cuts to the foreground and you see uh the family looking for the, the missing son yeah great uh, pretty good smart and and that sets you up really well where i think if it had just been any two <laughs> of the family then that drama wouldn't work but because it's these parents they're still trying to care for their daughter they also yeah. are have completely been driven apart by the death of their son um that dynamic is i think really interesting and, and creates something that you i think is a little more unique than you get uh with a lot of kind of basic uh there there's a family some family members and they're sad because they've lost somebody they they love um which is you know, the the way they kind of stir up drama in a lot of blockbuster movies. Um, I think it's effective here because they do that so that we get that that triangle of all these people are kind of reacting to these events differently. Um, but on the other hand, uh, Emma's uh, motivational, motivational speech, speech about her motivation mm-hmm. uh, is that uh, because of pollution and war and uh, some other things uh cell phones ev- cell phones so- social media <laughs> facebook uh that last one may be true uh every everyone's <laughs> going to going to die before like the her generation's going to be the last generation because the earth is going to be destroyed um and i had problems with that because i was like a that's such a political non-political <laughs> like yeah. stance like pollution it's like well if if you want the reason to be climate change that's interesting and that's an interesting thing to like approach it's like oh the titans have to are rising up to stop that that's something um but also that's not really what the projection of climate change is that the earth is just going to be a ball of fire in like 20 years like there it's it's more nuanced than that so it's kind of a weird way to take it and i feel like we needed something more obvious of like if we don't let the Titans roam free, then, you know, here's this other reason everything is going to be destroyed. I don't know. I That that bothered me a little bit because it was very wishy-washy and just like, ah, she needs some reason that she is an eco-terrorist. Yeah. Oh, I, I I thought it was fine. I thought she, her whole reasoning was just like human nature is all about destruction. Like, we yeah, need something it, to help balance it out. I don't know. I, 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 I didn't read it as too political. I thought it was just... Oh, we need like a motivation for this. Oh, eco terrorism. Let's. That's, yeah, and yeah. I think I guess the the second point for me was just that her implication that like everything would be destroyed in like the end of her lifetime or whatever. Uh, I think if they had just stuck with that of just like humans are terrible, we must let the. I mean, there are some people replenish. that believe that. Sure, sure, but I don't know the the way the way it's explained. It it was very vague like statements about like this is why humanity is bad and then it's like also humanity like i wanted more of a connection there of like this is a very specific thing she believes 
that that explains why she thinks this has to happen and so many people have to die uh at the hands of the titans rising up um in order for this to like come about this replenishment well um, a couple of things number one i thought we were given exactly as much as we needed for this kind of movie maybe so <laughs> maybe so um i completely forgot what my second point was so never mind <laughs> well i recycle so you're welcome thank you for your Vera. service um <laughs> oh oh the other point i wanted to make i thought it was interesting because the way that charles dance kind of argues with her once things start to go wrong she seems in denial about how many people are going to die yeah so i i don't know i i thought i thought all that was was actually nicely handled because like i said my impression going into this was just that she was crazy and that mm-hmm. was supposed to be a twist and sure. we weren't gonna buy it at all and she was gonna turn into like a really kind of cheesy over-the-top villain um yeah and I'm glad that that did not happen. Um, and I also, yeah. I was a bit worried at the end where I thought they were just going to let her get away with all of the the things mm-hmm. that she had done throughout the movie. So I like that they gave her a moment to kind of redeem herself and she kind of yeah. sa- is able to sacrifice herself to, to help win the day. And I thought um, that worked pretty well uh, to have, because you get the pathos of Kyle Kyle Chandler yeah. and Millie Bobby Brown yelling at well, her from it, the helicopter. Well, it's funny because I, I was, I was, also thinking about x-men apocalypse in that scenario <laughs> which michael doherty helped um he, i think he has a story credit oh really on, on apocalypse I, I probably knew so that at some there's point like a lot of parallels yeah. where it's like the shifting in filmmaking between <laughs> days of future past to that and then like the fact that magneto causes all this destruction and then gets <laughs> off scot-free mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know it's interesting so, uh, yeah, a couple of things. I, as far as the family drama stuff, I think it worked for me because they don't dwell too much on it. Mm-hmm. That it is there, and I think it's played richly by particularly Kyle Chandler. But it, the movie doesn't go, okay, we're going to stop all the monster stuff completely to just deal with this family. Because it's like, I was never, it, it added a little flavor to everything, but I wouldn't have wanted it wasn't strong enough to be just the movie. Yeah, um, sure. And so I think they balanced that nicely. Um, and talking of sacrifice, uh, I want to talk about Kim Watanabe, mm-hmm. who, well documented, I love him. I think he's fantastic. I think he's so good in these movies. And Tyler, you pointed out that he has a, a speech he gives to Kyle Chandler that is, on paper, it's all, you know, platitudes. Platitudes, just- completely. But he completely sells it. <laughs> like it yeah. sounds, it sounds like a real thing because he's saying it so well, and because Kyle Chandler's reacting so well. What did you? How did you guys feel about the Sarasawa sacrifice, where Watanabe is like, "I'll take the nuke that'll repower Godzilla, so you guys can get away, and 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 I'll I'll die." Because I felt both moved by it because I liked that. Okay, this is happening with. A Japanese character and you have this moment where he's speaking Japanese to Godzilla and Ken Watanabe's getting to be a hero and that's great um there was a, a moment where he and Zi Zhang Zi have a, a goodbye to each other and they hug they haven't really interacted much in the movie but that packed a weird punch for me because they were in Memoirs of a Geisha together hmm. which is uh was a big movie for me when I was like 20 and it was a big part of why I, I fell in love with Kawatanabe and why like I really appreciate Zhang Zi and they're they're really great together in that movie and so watching it this time I was like oh my god it's Sayuri and the chairman they're together again um but that was just a Britain thing so on one hand I, I liked that but on the other hand I was like you're 
you're killing one of your best human characters. You're killing Again. one of Again. The, the yeah, the only <laughs> Japanese actor in this and the cool let's, and one of the best performances. So like I'm glad that he gets this moment, but now he's also not in the movie anymore. <laughs> let's amend that statement. The best human character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As much yeah, as I like of, Kyle Chandler and everyone else. Yeah. One across the two movies. He's the best movies. human character. <laughs> across the two movies, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, that that was me. I was like, okay, I, I, he did it well, and I think it was done nicely. But I was also lamentous of like, well, now where's Ken Watanabe? Yeah. <laughs> Got to go be in Detective Pikachu. That's where. Um, I think it was effective. I think I, mm-hmm. for me, I was like, yeah, this is, this is really great. Like, uh, set up in the fact that he, I think, does he say to Godzilla, hello, old friend? Uh, he says um, goodbye, old friend. Oh, goodbye, old friend. Of course. Yeah. Because he's going to die. That, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> he says, hi, nice to meet you. I'm, <laughs> I'm Sarah. And then it explodes. Right, right. I'm here to see about the job. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's really effective, uh, and the fact that he's the one who kind of takes it on. It's it's sweet. It's well done. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice tribute, and I I don't know that this movie would be as memorable without it. Um, yeah. So, you know, whatever they can do to, to get some uh, <laughs> some emotion out of out of you. I, I did feel like the second act was dragging a little bit until we got to that point. There, right. There's a good bit of, like... I guess we need to go here to do a thing and then mm-hmm. like big action scene. Oh, I guess we need to go here to do like there to me, like everything was, was decently explained that, you know, we always had characters expositing what was going on, but at the same time I was like, yeah, but why I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really feeling it. I'm not super right. invested. Um, it feels like we're kind of going through the motions just to get to like how crazy the third act ends up being. Right. Um, but yeah, we get we get to that scene. I I don't know. I something like that. You you do have to wonder. Like, is there nobody else that could have done that? I do at least like that they set up. Oh, they can't send like a drone or anything down there because it it explodes basically before it can get anywhere near there um, to reactivate Godzilla. Um, so I appreciated that. It feels like the movie throws in just enough explanations where it needs to to be like, okay, there's not like a thousand plot holes. Um, can we, could we send like Bradley Whitford's character? <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah. And, and that's the boys yeah, back like, home are never going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's the one he's driving his little drone, like right at Godzilla with the, the torpedo strapped to the front. He's like, hello boy, I'm back. <laughs> and Godzilla just looks at him like, huh? <laughs> one thing that I was talking of, the, the Toho stuff. This movie brings back the some some of the the old classic Godzilla score, which is really great. Uh, just that like, dun 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 dun. Like I, I can't get it exactly, but uh, whenever we watch the the fifty four Gojira, you guys will hear it. It's a great, great movie movie theme, and I really like that they. W- in, in some places kind of woven and in some places they just straight up do it. They're like, no, we're just going to use the Godzilla music because it's Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I, I thought it added a lot for me because I, I recognize it, but I also just think it's good music. So get some, uh, bear McCreary. Uh, yeah. Big yeah. Fan of him. Um, mm-hmm. I, this is probably not like my favorite score of him, but also I don't, I, I don't think I even realized that that was pulling in some, some classic stuff. So that's oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I, I'm, mm. yeah. If you don't know now, you know, Mr. President, 
kind of a thing. Um, he uh, he did. I think I first learned about him because he did the Agents of Shield theme. Oh, which right. I'm I've always been a huge fan of. It's a super big bombastic like heroic yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also I think the Walking Dead. That's where I found him is Walking course, Dead. Yeah. Um, I think he composed Battlestar Galactica as well. And um, God of War, the the oh that the right. 2018 God of War. He also did the score for yeah. that, which is great. Uh, that's probably game. his best his best one in my opinion um he's sure. good he's a good one i like him a lot yeah uh that's what we needed we needed more of uh somebody looking at a person reading a monitor and saying read it boy <laughs> <laughs> uh so good the movie did have a lot of just scenes of people talking which i mm-hmm. i really liked i like yeah. i like the openings i liked all the politics with monarch and the government trying to shut them down yeah and 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 all that stuff like like that scene before uh tom middleditch is like oh i'm gonna leave on the video i hope it's the one where they blurred out the genitals yeah um i liked everything before that where they're actually discussing like the ramifications of of these monsters and this this organization trying to you know keep everything relatively quiet yeah um Masanabe's like no they're, they're these creatures and it's important and here's all this stuff and cch pounder is like yes but you're not explaining what you're doing to contain them <laughs> right <laughs> but you got to give me a reason to <laughs> right yeah i i did think it was a little weird because i thought the world building had been pretty strong in the first mm-hmm. two movies of like subtly starting to connect all these things and then in this one, they're just like, yeah, Skull Island, it's a thing. And Kong, Kong, Kong. Like, they, it felt like they were just throwing it out really flippantly, mm-hmm. sure. which I thought was strange because nobody ever actually explains how we get back to Skull Island. I thought there was like a big storm that kept it hidden from the world. And I know Monarch knows about it, but yeah. I don't know. That just seemed very weird that it was just kind of out in the open. <laughs> right. Because then I know like time has passed between Skull Island and now, so they might have figured something out, but they don't right. tell us that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. On on top of that, I wanted to ask because I, I I looked it up. Joe Morton is in this first scene. He is. Yes. Very and briefly. he is playing the older version of Corey Hawkins's character from Kong Skull Island. Is he? I'm pretty sure the age math on that when between when the movies are set doesn't make a lick of sense. But <laughs> sure, I didn't. Yeah, apparently that. that's what, the case. When is when is he in the movie? Um, when okay, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But when Zhangzi's twin at the Mothra site with the the wings unfurling, he's he's one of the scientists in that scene. Maybe I do remember. Now that you mentioned, yeah. I think I think that just for some reason did not register for me. But now that you mentioned that, that does not matter. Huh? It was it was very similar to his character in Justice League. <laughs> like it's basically <laughs> the same concept. But but like, why would you have Joe Morton in the movie if yeah, you're just yeah. going to use him for that? Like, I'm almost imagining like Kyle Chandler, Ken <clears throat> Watanabe, and Joe Morton. Like they're oh, a group. Man. Like that's our three protagonists for the movie. May- maybe it's a setup because if he's playing the older version of Corey Hawkins, maybe it's a Godzilla versus Kong thing I'm, I'm kind of afraid to look i don't know if he's in kong yeah, versus godzilla or yet, is it which godzilla versus first kong. it's gk okay. gvk yeah i am um, so so in in the the mothra mythos the mithra she mm-hmm. is this like protective spirit on an island and there are these twins who are like thumbelina like little tiny twins who sing this song that literally goes masuda 
Mothra, and they just like sing to summon Mothra to come and help and restore peace and fight Godzilla and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, they did not do that in this movie, <laughs> which is a good thing. But I really liked that they just had a, Zhang Zi is like she is twins and her mother's their their mom was of of twins and there is like a generation a family of twins and I was like oh that's cute. That's like a little reference to the thing we all know that they're tied. They're the ones researching researching Mothra, but they're not doing the the magical twin song thing. But there are twins in it. That's good. I like that. Correct. The thing we all know. I definitely did not uh, even fail to realize they were twins in the movie and not the same character. Yeah. Well, because not me could never they, be. Me. I was a little bit confused about the explanation to that because they start talking about like, oh, you're like third generation monarch. And I'm like, wait, what's the relation between all these characters? <laughs> yeah. And they're showing the photographs of the various twins. Yeah. And, and, and they when Zhang Zi with Joe Morton like pulls her hood down, you see that she very clearly has a long braid when the other Zhang Zi has short hair. Yeah, so, I, that's uh-huh. not that's not very well established <laughs> at all. And no. I, why would you what was the point? <laughs> And I think it's one of those things that I mean, I, I caught on to it because of the photographs and everything and also going, oh, it's the author twins. OK, cool. Yeah, but a little inside baseball. Just like uh, Godzilla and uh, Ghidorah get inside a baseball stadium. That's true. At the end of this movie. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yeah, um, I really love in the uh, so 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 in the. Avenge Ghidorah, of course, is defeated in the Godzilla movies, but he's rebuilt as Mecha King Ghidorah. It's just like a cyborg. And I like that they subtly hint at that in this movie when Charles Dance gets his head at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, is he going to make a cyborg Ghidorah? Uh, uh, yeah, that that scene, that end credit scene. Um, I I am fascinated that it did not get like more widespread. I guess because yeah. the movie didn't do all that well. Maybe it just didn't catch on. Um, but... It literally is just a scene where somebody is showing Charles Dance uh, Ghidorah's head that he lost at the um, the site where Rodan came out. Um, right? No. Yeah, I think yes. so. How does Ro- how does Ghidorah lose a head there? Or maybe it's Godzilla. I think Godzilla like rips it up. Or but I'm trying to remember where that happens. In Antarctica, right? Well, there's a couple of different times he he chews up a head, yeah. like he uh what? He bites one off kind of earlier in the movie and then at the end he, he's it's, kind of eating the last one and he like yes. blows the atomic yeah breath at it to destroy it it's the it's the earlier one and i think that's at the same place that rodan yeah. shows up but i can't remember exactly anyway doesn't matter um the movie globe trots charles charles dance shows up and looks at this decapitated head and he's like we'll take it uh <laughs> and i i feel like it has uses i think it has uses as a as a meme or an yeah. image macro, if you will. Yeah. We'll Charles Dance it. is great at that, isn't he? Because the other one, the, the one that actually kind of became a meme was him at the end of uh, Dracula Untold saying, let the games begin. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder if Charles Dance prefers it this way. Like, we, we complain a lot about Charles Dance not getting more to do in movies. Um, yeah. And I really wonder if he's like, yes, uh, Agent, I would like... Exactly 10 minutes of screen time in every right. movie you choose. From. <laughs> what is Jaiman Hansu not doing? I'll do those. <laughs> I want to be paid the same amount 
every time. <laughs> it's my going rate. Yeah, I um, yeah, I don't know. I did love the effect of the Ghidorah head regrowing. It's this like mm-hmm. nasty. It's just a tongue waggling around, and then like the jaw kind of like slanks around it. Like, oh, it but it, but it's like l- wrapped in this loose skin that one yeah. of the other heads has to like bite and yeah. peel away. Mm-hmm. It's so Ugh. great. Uh, the the military uses a thing called an oxygen destroyer in this. Right, that is what kills Godzilla, sort of. Uh, yeah, and a bunch of fish, and a bunch of fish. Uh, but not Ghidorah because he's an alien. I think mm-hmm. is the explanation. Um, he's immune to oxygen, <laughs> so he's immune to oxygen. He came from space where he couldn't breathe, so clearly. That, you know. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, if if he flew in space, I mean, yeah, that's maybe. Your so. <laughs> I think that I want to say the movie kind of implies it's like a meteor that brings him, maybe or something. But I guess it could yes. just be he crashes. Um, the I I was very confused by this. I was like, is I don't th- I I think. There are a few different ways that could work if it was actually destroying oxygen, and all of them would be way worse than uh, yeah. than what you're doing here. Like, are you just creating this vacuum? Because that's <laughs> that's not good. That's uh, I guess I we're like very... we don't want to say hydrogen bomb. What's something else? <laughs> oxygen bomb. Well, I, I think this is a boron cannon. <laughs> I think the the idea when they're writing it is probably just we need something that will take out Godzilla yeah, and yeah, just right. him what what is it and like any just like normal bomb that's used in a movie whether it's nuclear or whatever it like would have taken them both out i guess would be the argument um so then like that pushes them to have this goofy like gi joe cartoon i don't don't hate it i was just no i don't hate i don't hate it at all (laughs) um look if batman begins can get away with using uh what what's the device in that? It, it uh, vaporizes the enemy's yeah. water supply. Yeah. The microwave emitter. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, Batman yeah. Begins, the most serious movie ever made, can get away with a microwave emitter, but I how can much deal with an oxygen bomb in Godzilla? How much better would it be if they were like, we've got this microwave emitter bomb? <laughs> it destroys <laughs> all the water, so it'll it'll kill all the water in them. It'll, it'll destroy it all. <laughs> and it does a big explosion. And then, oh no, Ghidorah's not made of water. He's made of, uh, I don't know. Um, St- Stardust. G- Coca-Cola. <laughs> I am um, glad you said Batman because I don't, I don't know how to explain why the retconning in BVS of Batman being in Metropolis is frustrating. But the, oh, these characters were in San Francisco is not. And I, think I can tell of, you exactly why. Well, because my, my theory is these are characters who are not established characters. These are, they could tell, mm-hmm. they could just pick any random, like, yeah, they were in San Francisco because th- these aren't like iconic people. We have to explain how they connect. It's like, these are just people in the world. They can be in San Francisco and it's fine. Um, Alex, what is your reasoning? Um, the reason is it's not just those characters that are reacting to the collateral damage from the last movie. Mm. Um, when you watch BVS, yes, Bruce Wayne, a lot of his motivation does stem from the destruction at the end of Man of Steel. Nobody else is acting like that destruction happened. Gotcha. Because, like, the Senate hearings and everything, it's all about the bullet and the Africa stuff, which doesn't make any sense. And they have a Superman statue, like... 
all of the ramifications from Man of Steel that you think would be happening don't happen. It's just token. It's it's basically a hand wave just throwing a bone to the audience because they complained about it in the last one. Oh, we'll make it Batman's motivation, but it won't affect anything else. Whereas with this one, (laughs) this is all about the destruction that happened in the first Godzilla. It's funny that you bring that up because I complained about in the 20 for the 2014 Godzilla how there is a time jump at the beginning of that that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because we just started getting to know these characters. Yeah. Um, right. And I think I actually compared it to the BVS time jump at the beginning because that has the same problem mm. where we establish, okay, this is a great jumping off point for everything that follows in this movie. Instead, you're going to jump and you're going to create a different jumping off point and we're going to have only one character really care about those consequences and everybody else cares about some different consequences. It's a weird thing. Um, and I think in this one, it really is just... That this is the inciting incident of the movie. You got these characters; they were there. Yeah, they lost somebody they loved. It was bad. Now we're seeing the fallout from that five years later. Um, and I always, I, I love me a a movie that uh, is has a time jump that is chronological with the actual time jump in real life. Right, it's a very right. small thing, uh, but I think that's neat. I um. I'm looking forward to the scene in Godzilla versus Kong where like Kyle Chandler is hiking on and he gets to Skull Island and then there's like a slow motion pan in on King Kong and it's like, there is a kingdom, <laughs> there is a king, <laughs> my Kong. <laughs> Could Zack Snyder direct a kaiju movie? I wish he would do more stuff like this, just kind of big, dumb, like, non-pretentious, like, stuff where he can just do action scenes. This is what I want him to do. This is why I think Alien vs. Predator, that is perfect Zack Snyder fodder. I want him to do that. Is Batman vs. Superman a bad kaiju movie? (laughs) I think it's a bad everything. I think it (laughs) fails on in every genre. (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. I have have a... A middling faith and army of army of the dead mm-hmm. except for ironically romantic comedy <laughs> good meet cute zach direct a slow-mo meet cute <laughs> he did actually in, in zach snyder's yeah. justice league uh, and see and he's all about business and, and and she's like at a coffee shop and it's small <laughs> we all like the snyder cut so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's fine <laughs> no, he directs a good slow-mo meet cute in the Snyder Cut. I'm not joking. Yeah. When when Flash meets And the uh, good I... soundtrack of Nick Cave just yelling <laughs> about a kingdom. <laughs> a good meet cute between Batman and Aquaman. <laughs> um Yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, uh one last thing I wanted to address. Um I liked that we had human antagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, um, cause I think one thing I, I, I complimented the first one on was we didn't have like a corrupt government official or, or like a, an evil general, or we didn't have a character like that, that was like making all the wrong moves and kind of out for, for you know, trying to obtain power or taking advantage of the situation. It was like, everyone's being proactive and trying to solve the problem. I like that this one is able to, to then say, okay, we did that let's have like an antagonistic force that's trying to, to, they have evil means. Um, I, I appreciated that. And I liked that it was able to create like human versus human action sequences, which 
you know, just personal preference, since I'm not as into all of the monster fighting stuff as everyone else, that I enjoyed quite a bit. Like, the, the shootout in Antarctica preceding mm. all the crazy monster stuff, which was quite a bit of fun. Um, I appreciated that. But also, at the same time, I liked how that that wasn't, like, a huge part of the third act. It wasn't like, oh, Charles dances, guys, like, there's a big shootout, which I probably would have liked, but I'm glad that it wasn't there because it then would have overshadowed, yeah. you know, like, a lot of the, the, the end stuff with Godzilla. And I like how we leave Charles Dance alive at the end of this. Unfortunately, they did have to cut uh, the scene that was in the script that they called the Charles Dance-Off. Um, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't make it. They didn't have enough time. Um, and the CGI budget wasn't high enough either. <laughs> Is it literally a dance off with Godzilla? Yeah, it was all those all those great. I was flips I was going along with the human versus human thing, but that would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um I, I liked that the the kind of pseudo antagonism of like the Vera Farmiga character is that she's not wrong because by the end of the movie she's actually right. Is that these kaiju are having this positive environmental effect. But at the same yeah. time, throughout the movie, you don't know that that's a guarantee and you know that they are causing destruction. So you're like, no, I told. Looking back on it, I'm like, oh, these characters are, bo- are both right. They're like, they're causing all this destruction. We have to, we, we can't keep doing this, Daniel. And she's like, no, it's going to be okay if we get out of there, if we figure out a way to cohabitate. And so I, I, I kind of liked how yeah. they managed to balance that. They, I think it, I I like the scene that she has with Charles Dance where they are discussing the fact that this is all happening way faster than they expected it to. Um, Yeah. I think, is the explanation in the movie that Ghidorah is accelerating it because he's, he's the big alpha alien man and he's calling them all together? I think so. I think so. Um, Yeah. yeah. Don't they refer to him as King Ghidorah? Yeah. I mean, they, they mentioned that that's like. Yeah, the fact they that, that he's, he's like an, an alien there. presence, he's not part of like Earth's natural environment. He's right. like skewing things, and that's why all all the the yeah. uh, destruction is so overblown. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, the I kaiju like reacting they... to him as the alpha, but because he's not a part of the natural order, it's in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they have all that happen, and there is a discussion where they are like, "Wow, this is happening way faster than we thought it would." That's not good. <laughs> like, they, yeah. yeah, there is a discussion there. Um, it's still a it's a lot of dead people. That's yeah. real bad. <laughs> oh, the yeah. Guffin is called the Orca, and that was cute. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it's a, you're talking about keeping the characters together, I like that we just we have this device. It tells us where they are, so it just keeps all the characters. We're just going to go, and we're going to meet our different monsters. Exactly, yeah. And I, and I think it worked. <laughs> like, for, for what this movie is trying to be, it works. Right. Yeah. I, no, I, I think the structure for, for the movie, like... You know, all, all the other problems aside, I think structurally, this is like a perfect monster movie. Sure. Sure. Shall we do our, our, our grades now? Sure. What are y'all going with? Do you know? I have no idea. Y'all go first. <laughs> I, I think for right now, I'm going to give it a B. Mm-hmm. I had a really good time watching it. I was able to watch it all in one sitting, which I was kind of surprised by, but I wanted to like stay up and and you know finish yeah. it um so i'm giving it a b the same as skull island i probably like skull island a tad bit more um but this movie like ticked off so many boxes for me about what i if you're asking me alex what do you want out of a godzilla movie this is 
about as close as I think mm. it's going to get. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a B. It's, At it's least got until problem. you give Godzilla versus Kong an A+. Plus. Right, exactly. Uh, I, it's got problems, like I said, some some of the, the overall direction and, and some of the, the way the way the movie shot. Like, it's not, it, it lacks that stylistic flair of Godzilla or uh, Skull Island. But, um, you know, it, it, it's got it's got the story and it's got got these actors and it, all that just for the most part, like 95 percent of that works. Yeah. <laughs> just stop telling jokes. You've got charismatic <laughs> actors. They can deliver lines. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do B plus. I feel like it is a B movie in a good way. And it's got that little extra oomph. And and as as a Godzilla fan, it brought Aside from the Rodan thing, and even that, I'm I'm exaggerating for comedy. Like it, uh, it just it worked. Like it was it was nice to see these characters reimagined this way and feel like, yeah, that's it. That makes sense. That's a that's a makes as a sensible way to reimagine them without like warping them or sacrificing something about them that I like. Um, right. Even if I I maybe they'll find a way from author to come back or something. But like, I, I ultimately, I, I think it's a, uh, it's a, it's a good service to those, to those uh, legacies. Yeah. I think I'm going to go B minus direction, um, which I think is still above Godzilla 2014 for me. One of a step yeah, above. You get, um, both of us gave that a C plus. Yeah. Um, and then I, did I give Skull Island an A minus? That was a week yes. ago. I should remember this. Yeah. Um, which feels about right to me. I think it is a step above Godzilla 2014, which I am surprised by. I, I didn't expect to like it quite this much. Um, I still have problems uh, overall. I, I think the fact that it starts with that not taking itself seriously tone and, and kind of um, hand waves away some, some of those those little details. It's fun, but it is kind of silly. And then the fact that there's things that don't work within that paradigm uh, bother me some. Sure. Um, but overall, I do like it. I I do think Skull Island so far has been like for me out of all these movies we've done the clear uh, winner, and I'll be curious to see if I if Godzilla versus Kong tops it. Sure. Um, yeah, I am excited, but we'll see. It might Defo. it might win me over with sheer uh, dumb kaiju action. So yeah. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I I did feel the need to point out that uh, I was talking to you guys about this, and I think the movie has a missed opportunity to make Kyle Chandler be the same character he is in Friday Night Lights. Yes. <laughs> uh, because the, I think, I feel like all of these movies have a character that's like, oh, I'm an animal behavioral specialist. And right. they're basically just telling the military guys like, hey, did you know animals like food and and, <laughs> and, and mating? That's a lot of fish. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it would be a lot more fun if they were like, we need to bring in the best the best high school coach uh <laughs> in the state of texas uh and we got to get him in here he's gonna draw up some plays and we're gonna um we're gonna go into uh go into fenway play ourselves <laughs> a heck of a game how, how do you how do you beat a kaiju with the dylan panthers <laughs> it might surprise our listeners to know i'm a big friday night lights fan i love it. it's one of the few shows i've seen the full thing of and it's great and I, he's great and connie Britton's last name is a misspelled version of my name well, there you go. Um, that's not a reason to like a show. She should apologize. Thank you. <laughs> I uh, um, I was inspired by this because there's a scene where he 
I think he's talking to one of the military guys and there's a um a board with like a screen mm. with all of the yeah the locations of all the monsters um and he talks to the guy and says uh can i show you something or something to that effect and he walks up to it and i was really hoping he would just flip the screen <laughs> over there's a chalkboard <laughs> behind it for no reason on the super advanced sci-fi plane and then he just like starts, he's like all right guys so uh, godzilla's over here right uh we gotta get godzilla alive and back over here and, and scrolling <laughs> scrolling out of play um like i think it's time for a trick play i th- <laughs> i feel like there's a missed opportunity here um yeah and uh i believe i referred to this as uh ted lasso season three kaiju league in you did. uh in, in that chat so i just i needed to get that all out there i think there is an opportunity here and you know it, they didn't they didn't go for it now but hollywood it's out there yep. i'm only Same. asking a hundred thousand dollars for the idea um <laughs> so hit me up Clear ass full heart. Godzilla! <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just sitting over here like, I really liked him in Super 8. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's great. Um, so I, I I don't have a, a big feature recommendation this week, but I do have a small recommendation. Uh, literally, I'm going to recommend a short film. It is called Feeling Through. It's, um, it was actually nominated at the Oscars for Best Live Action Short. Um, I didn't win. I didn't see the one that did win. I'm sure it was well-deserved. Uh, Feeling Through is a movie made by Doug Rowland, and it is about a homeless teenager in New York who ends up uh, one night running into uh, a deafblind man, and the two of them kind of connect, and it's just this short, you know, little... Not even, it's not even really a journey they go on, but they 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 connect in that movie, and it's about kind of the effect it has on this teenager uh, and, and on the the deafblind man named Artie. Um, it's not it's not depressing. Nothing bad happens to Artie. It's all good. Um, but I just found it really touching. It's the first movie I believe to star a deafblind actor, and it's just really really well done. It's eighteen and a half minutes. It's it's nothing. Uh, and it's on YouTube, like officially, legally on YouTube. I think when you if when you type in Feeling Through, the channel it's on, like the title is along like clickbaity, you know, a homeless teen meets a deaf blind man. It changes his life forever. Don't let that dissuade you. <laughs> um, it's it's just marketing. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, really liked it. And, you know, I, I hope people will check it out. You, you got 18 and a half minutes. And it's called Feeling Through, and it's on YouTube, and I was a, a big, big fan of it. I, I like that stuff when the Oscars remind me of the like, – I usually don't know about the the short films, and it's always a, a cool thing to try to explore each year. And I'm really glad that I was able to find this one, so I heartily, heartily recommend it. If maybe big kaiju aren't your thing, maybe a small film about connection is. I would like to uh, double up on that recommendation because a friend of the podcast, Cecilia, and I both watched it. And yeah, it's great. Oh, that's right. I, I didn't realize y'all watched it together because I saw that she had... I, I posted it and I saw that she commented. Oh, that's good. I'm glad y'all liked it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm going to undercut you both with a 17-minute short film called What Did Jack Do? Uh, in which David Lynch yells <laughs> at a monkey for... Se- I, that's not my actual recommendation. I mean, go watch it if that's... Not- that no, is the premise. Good. <laughs> is yeah, that David pretty... Lynch yells at a monkey and the monkey yells at David Lynch. So I'm saying that is also, you know, it's out there. It's out there. It is. Uh, it's that pretty... is the, the only short film I've watched in like the last 
five years or something. Um, <laughs> I, I might have to look that up. That, that does sound really good. Yeah, um, it's, it's quite lovely. I don't have a recommendation either. I did uh, watch previous uh, Britain recommendation and now Oscar winner uh, Sound of Metal. Um, oh. And it was great. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was real good. I like that a lot. Um, I have. I, mean, I, I could probably talk about it for a while. Uh, it definitely, I mean, that would be in my top five for 2020, probably higher. Um, that is Ahmed. He is mm-hmm. fantastic. Paul Racy's amazing in it. Um, yeah, it won for sound and for editing, which I think are both very well deserved mm-hmm. by that. By that, page. Alex, you've seen Sound of Metal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought, I thought we had talked about it. Yeah, I'm glad you watched it. I, I'm a big, big fan of that movie. Um, also, Riz was my best dressed male for the Oscars. For whatever that counts, I thought it looked awesome. I've been. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad you saw that. I've also been circling uh, Promising Young Woman, previous previous Alex recommendation. Um, and and will... Oscar winner. Oh, yeah. What did that win? I didn't... I thought... Uh, that original screenplay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I uh, uh, I will eventually watch it. I was hoping to do it last night and then uh, and then knock out, you know, bring come back with a pair of uh, reinforcing recommendations, but instead I sure. watched an episode of Twin Peaks with friend of the podcast other alex and then took a bath so <laughs> you know tyler, tyler you, you've, you've got to do it for your boy Bo. You i know just, that's gotta just get through it i i really i really do and i'm sure i'll love it i just i need to get yeah Dur- during the ceremony they were you know because promising young woman was up for a couple of categories and so you would see little stills or, or whatever and there was one shot it was like in between takes while Emerald Fennell was directing them and you saw Bo Burnham like leaning on a counter that man is so tall <laughs> it was like just somehow <laughs> the way it was framed it really captured how tall and lanky that fellow is um but nothing can capture how talented he is he's so great <laughs> yeah I've 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 started to come to like to the place where I go okay I think I'm ready to take a shot at this one because I wanted to see it but I just I've 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 really been like guarding my myself, but I think I'm I'm then getting closer. So watch this space. <laughs> uh, I did finish Windy, by the way. Oh, um, yeah, I think I liked it for the most part, but not enough to recommend. Sure. Um, it's sure. it's got this weird problem where it's it's almost like a prequel slash explanation of a lot of the Peter Pan mythos, but in this different way. But I don't think it's in a way that like newcomers that don't know Peter Pan would appreciate, and right. the people who do know Peter Pan are be like, "What? What was the point of that?" Um, sure. It's I don't know. I, I liked the best thing about it is just like the way it's filmed. Like it's it's got mm-hmm. like this very unique style. It's it's it, it feels in some places like it's almost like documentary style, and it's sure just kind of this weird off the beaten path interpretation of Peter Pan. Um, that in some places skimps out on the actual magical elements, but in other places does keep it's, it's a weird, it's a weird experience. Um, overall, I'd probably give it like a C or C plus. So not great, but, um, if you're looking for something just weird, I guess. (laughs) Did you ever see beasts of the Southern wild? No, I haven't. Cause I mean, I, I, it's been years since I've seen it, but like, I feel like it had a similar approach of like, pseudo documentary handheld kind of kind of thing yeah. which i'd be interested to see how that works in a a peter pan a peter verse movie well also one of the things that i found frustrating is that thematically it's not really doing anything new with peter pan 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think they say the phrase growing up a hundred times within the first 20 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I know. I, I, I know the Peter Pan story. <laughs> like, I know thematically what it's all about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just very weird. And it's, I, I, I felt kind of bad because it felt very much like the director was like, this is like my passion project. This is something I'm very interested in because aside from like studios just pushing out Peter Pan every 10 years, just as like, we can make that a big budget blockbuster, right? Um, This feels like a genuine attempt to like put someone's like actual artistic stamp on it. Um but I, I felt like at some points I was like, what is the point of this? <laughs> Which was unfortunate. And I was kind of excited for it. And I, I'm glad I kind of tempered my expectations once I saw that, that the movie overall had kind of negative reviews. Um, so that way I wasn't like hyping myself up for it. But I am glad that I watched it. Join Interesting. Us, join us uh, next week for our spinoff podcast, Pan and Rodan. In which uh, <laughs> the only podcast where uh, one person discusses their love of kaiju classic movies and uh, the other person talks about Peter Pan. <laughs> and about how Rodan just doesn't want to grow up. Come on. <laughs> Not even my love for Peter Pan. Just like I randomly decided to watch, start watching <laughs> Peter Pan movies. <laughs> uh but yeah, but uh, next week it's it's the big one. It's the big event, the mm-hmm. hit of the pandemic, the most successful movie, uh, <laughs> Godzilla if, versus Kong. If you uh, if you want to be be aware of where to listen uh, when that episode comes out, you can find us online at here come the sequels You can find us on Twitter at HTT sequels. You can email us at here come the sequels at gmail We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. All that good stuff. We're out there. That movie's not like three hours, is it? I have not checked the run. I think time. it's five. Oh, yeah. oh dear God! It's actually a marathon of uh, every Godzilla movie, including the yeah. ones we've all we've just watched up to this point. Well, it does. It does make me wonder because, like, particularly with the Warner Brothers ones, where it's, where it's like, oh, we're releasing simultaneously with you know, mm-hmm. on HBO Max, at least for this year. I wonder if some of them are like, wait, can we like do re-edits? Can we, can we add more footage back in? Like most people are <laughs> going to be watching this from home. Can we, can we go for a long? <laughs> Snyder got four hours. <laughs> it is an hour and 53 minutes. Oh, thank Ooh. God. <laughs> now that's, this movie was also like, wasn't it like two hours, 15, two hours, 20? Yeah. I don't really two, feel yeah, that. Two fifteen. Two twelve. Yeah. Not too bad. No. Anyways, I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. Hey, I've been Britton, and you're having a good night.